Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Thank you so much for the encouragement and all that you are doing for the Father. And um, this morning I'm going to be sharing something in relation to faith. Um, Jesus made a statement in the book of Matthew chapter 9 verse 27 through uh, 28. You know, it, it, it's, it's a clear declaration as to what in fact we'll read up to 29 the world there was I mean Jesus said to the people that were looking for him to be according to your faith okay so Matthew chapter 9 verse 27 All right. As if that's not what I'm looking for. But I'm looking at. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him. Crying. Okay. So who was wrong? Me or the something? <laughs> okay. Praise the Lord. When Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I'm able to do this? Now the first thing I'd like to ask myself all time is, how did these blind men walk into the house? They were already blind. But we are told that they followed him. We are not told they were being guided by anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know how they walked into that place, but this is just a clear indication of faith. They were able to go there. They were blind. We are not told that they were being guided or being led by anybody. Then again, the next thing we see was, they were crying, that son of David had mercy on us. What was the meaning of that or the implication? He said, the prophets have already spoken that when the son of David comes, it's going to do signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm trying to give you the foundation of faith. Their belief was based on the prophecy that had been there about Jesus Christ. This is why you discover that when John sent the disciples to Jesus, go find out if he's the Messiah. Jesus simply went back and told them. In fact, y'all did some miracles and went back and told them. You go tell them the blind see, the ear hear, the dumb can speak. He never told them I'm the Messiah. He just simply told them, go tell John this. Why? Because the Jews, or the, yes, the Jewish people, based on the prophecy, they know that when the Son of Man comes, these are the things that he's going to do. So that's why they were shouting, thou Son of David. Based on the prophecy that have been there. Now I'm trying to make you see, why they have faith is because of what they know already. So that's what they were saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. Because they were expecting the Messiah to come. 
the son of David. And one of the things that portrays him as the son of David is the signs, miracles that are going to perform. That's why you see in Matthew chapter 12, the same thing happened. When he healed the dumb man, the people came saying, No, he's using the spirit of Bezebub. Why they wanted to say that was people were getting to believe. If the son of David should come, will you do more than this? And so for the for them to discredit him that he's not the son of David, they should not have faith in him, they should not believe him, they not say he's using the spirit of Bezebub. That's why that story came up there. You understand that? So the foundation of this blind man is the word that has been spoken before. That when the son of David comes, he's going to get the miracles done. Now, they started hearing that Jesus was doing this. So, for their own conclusion, this must be the son of David. Are you getting it now? So that's why they said, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, verse 28, the blind man came to him and said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Ye Lord. Verse 29. Then touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, and believing what the Lord said, or the, what, 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 what the prophecy have spoken about me, according to that, your faith, or conviction, be it done unto you. Now, if you look at the verse 29 from message translation, I love it so much. Verse 29, message translation. He touched your eyes and said, become what you believe. That I just said. Faith is you becoming what you believe. And that's what I want you to see this morning. Faith is nothing more than what you believe. You become what you believe. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So if you have, if I may use the word, set a target for yourself. And God backs you up with the word. You become what you believe. That is faith. So faith transforms you. Based on your conviction. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse number 1. Hebrews 11 verse number 1. I know for those of you here in, in Port and even Bonnie Church. You, you build, I can say swimming on the message of faith. So. <laughs> but I just want to add something to what you know. About faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now. Faith is the substance of things hopeful. The evidence of things not seen. The word hope. Is very important. In defining what faith is. Hope is actually. Epizo. In the Greek. And it means to expect. To confine in. That is hope. Now, you can't have hope or expect anything when there is no promise for that. I need to get the meaning of this. Are you getting that? If you are expecting something, it's either somebody has told you something or promised you something. So you have hope and expectation. So faith is not an abstract thing. Is based on a substance. Is based on 
a promise is based on what you've been told. For instance, if I say, I'll give you 10,000 two days time. You will have hope because you know I'm worth 10,000 and I can afford it. Because you see, you read the scripture, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What I mean is, if God promised you something, you should be able to have hope in what he said. Because if you don't believe in what he said, it means you doubt in his ability and capability to do what he said. That's what it means. You can please him. It becomes an insult on God, personality, wealth and everything that he said what he cannot do. That's why it is without faith, which has to do with trust, it's impossible to do what? To please God. Because if God said, I'm going to bless you, you should know he will be able because it's more than anything else to do that. But if somebody who is, is, is a, you know the, the, the strength, the capacity of that individual, that he doesn't have anything, and he comes and he said, I'm going to buy you a car. What are you going to do? You just laugh. Why are you laughing? Because you know this man does not watch what he's saying. Are you getting that? But if God tells you something, you know he's worth it. Now you have to hope to receive by expectation what he said he was going to do. Are you getting this? So that is a foundation for faith. And it's important. Evidence we know how to do it. Conviction and proof. The sums of things we hold for. The evidence of things not seen. So by implication, if God tells me you are going to get a car next year, or even let's say by the end of this year, if God said that to me, I already have the car because I know God is able to provide a car. That's the evidence now. The evidence is based on the person who made the promise. That is capable and in fact we say God is not a man that you change. It's not a man that is your lie. Do we say that? Good. So if God says the thing, you already have it. Because he said it. And you consider him worthy to be able to do what he promised to do. Because he is not a man that you lie. Neither will he change. So if he tells you are going to have a child, you are so sure you are going to have a child because he said it. And he's able to form the child in the womb of your wife. You should just have that hope. The foundation and the evidence of faith is your conviction of who is making the promise. But above all, knowing that somebody made the promise and you believe what they promised you, you expect that thing to come. Even if it takes time, your expectation is still there because he who promised cannot lie and doesn't change. Hallelujah. So I want you to get this because it's very important. It talks about substance of things, so for the evidence of things not saying substance there also talks about by implication, like you have your, your deed, 
you have your land deed, for instance, if you buy a land from somebody, or even ordinary receipt, if you go to a shop, you want to buy a car, and then you can talk with the car dealer, even if the car is not there, but you know the spec you want. You can even write a receipt, you can even document everything, you can even collect the receipt, even if yet the car have not come. Awaiting when the car will be delivered. You are sure of what you're doing. The certificate or the receipt with you is the deed, is the substance to prove that you already have a car, even though it has not been delivered. Because you have a receipt with you. So now when God makes you, gives you a promise, that conviction of who God is, is the substance you are holding. You know God can't lie. And if he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. Praise the living God. So that is faith. Evidence of things not seen. You know, to look at, to behold, to be aware of. By implication, if God tells you you're going to get a car at the end of the year, you already know the kind of car you're going to be having. You're already seeing it because God said it. The evidence of things not seen. The car have not been delivered, but you already know that you're going to get a car. You already know perhaps even the kind of car you're going to get. The important thing is, you know I'm having a car at the end of the year. Because God told me. So it's evidence of things not seen. You are not seeing the car yet, but you know the car is available. No matter what time it takes. Praise the living God. So that is faith. Take this from the message translation again. Hebrews 11 verse 1. I'm not going to spend much time. I just want you to get some basics about what faith really is. So that as you walk, be able to walk based on this faith thing. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Okay. Message. He said, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living is our handle on what we can see. And I want you to see that again. So when you look at this, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust is God. I mean in God. This faith so faith equals trust. In who? In God. Faith is just your trust. Like I said in the beginning. If I make a promise of 2,000 to anybody. I mean you can just rejoice. Even if it's not there right now. Why? You know I'm worth 2,000. That's a trust. Is that okay? Right. That's a trust. But if I come to you and I said. I want to give you 2 million tomorrow. You have a little bit of thinking. Is Pastor David worth two million to give out just like that? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Right. So, you can't trust or have faith when you don't trust you will make the promise. The value of the man that makes the promise is what gives you your trust. You understand what I mean? Right. I mean, this is very, very fundamental. When it comes to the issue of faith, it's not just a matter of drumming up anything. I'm going to make you see something. It's not a matter of drumming up anything and then taking it and running with it. Well, it could work. But for me, that is not by far better than either motivational way or just... I know of a man in those days, Norman, Norman Peel or what he used to call his name. He wrote some books on the power of positive thinking. I don't know if anybody's seen that book before. You saw that book sometime, right? It was not so much of a Christian thing. But yet, when you think the way he taught you, you get results. 
People were getting results. The power of positive thinking. And sometimes the way we teach faith in church is the same thing as the power of positive thinking. But we call it faith in church. But that's not exactly the faith that God intends us to work with. That's not the faith. Hallelujah. Faith is based on the hope of a promise. We are not just dreaming up a thing. We are not just thinking up a thing in abstract of what you want. No. It has to be on a solid foundation of a promise made to you one way or the other. Praise the living God. Alright. And this is why it's very important. I encourage people that you must come to the place where you hear God for yourself. Because the promises God wants to make to you are not the same thing that He's going to make to me. It's not the same. That is why we can't have the same kind of faith, in quote. Praise the Lord. Okay. Let me look at a simple illustration. Go with me to Romans chapter 4 verse 17. Don't forget what the definition I gave to you on, 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 on hope. What hope is. Hope is simply what? An expectation. That's the point. Hope is an expectation. So let's look at Romans 4.17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, and called those things quick be not as though what? They were. <laughs> now, here it is. Abraham believed what God said. That he was going to make him a father of many nations. Let us read on. Verse 18. Who against hope. Believed in hope. Against hope. Believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. According to that which was spoken. Which is actually Genesis 15 verse 5. He spoke to him. You are going to be a father of many nations. Now the Bible says he hoped against hope. What is the meaning of that? He has expectation of what God said. Even though he was an old man. By his age there is no longer hope. That he could make a child. Even the Sarah was already advanced in age. So hope is lost. Naturally speaking. But because God spoke in a hard hope. Or what God said against the hope of their natural ability. Are you picking it? Good. So the strength of his belief. Was on what God said. The key word there is. Which was spoken. Are you there with me? I know I've, I've early times before I start preaching. I used to have one of my pastor friends and he would say, you just think of what you want to become and become it. See it with your eyes of vision. Anything you see, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> but you see, it was God that called Abraham and said, look up. 
Abraham didn't just wake up and start looking up. No. The ability for Abraham to see was because God asked him to look. Praise the Lord. Like I said, there's a big difference between positive thinking and faith which we preach. So here we find that who against hope believed in hope. When you say against hope, the hope of he being such an old man and still be able to produce, that would have been a difficult thing. So that's why I say he hoped against hope. The first hope is the word spoken. The other hope is his nature. As an old man, no possibility. That's against that particular hope now. So now, when you walk with God and he gives you a word, your circumstance is no longer relevant. You no longer consider your circumstance. If God said, I'm going to make you rich, even though you have nothing with you, you could hope against hope of the father you have nothing with you. Are you there with me? Good. So, this is the point. So, even if it is prophecy that's coming to you, whichever way it comes to you, you just believe God has spoken. You can trust what God said, even if nothing is around you presently. The second time doesn't, I mean, it doesn't show it. There's nothing to indicate that you're going to be a millionaire. But God said, I'm going to make you a millionaire. You don't have to be thinking about your circumstance. You just believe what God said. That he is going to make me a millionaire. And he has the ability to make me what? A millionaire. He will lead you to do what you are supposed to do to become what he has promised you to become. So he hoped against hope. This environment was speaking, but no. The word of God spoken supersedes what the environment is telling him. His condition was speaking, but no. The word of God that he spoke to him supersedes everything that he was now hearing his body telling him. His body is saying you are an old man. His body is saying your wife is old. There can't be any hope of you having a child anymore. But Abraham said no, but God says something. I'm going to trust in what God says. That's all. Look at verse 19. I've been all weak in faith. <laughs> Can you see the meaning now? Being all weak in faith. What faith? The trust of what God said. Good. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, now they had the deadness of Sarah's womb. Can you get the meaning now? Praise the Lord. Be not weak in faith. He was not weak because he could believe God. Even his body was telling him, You can't. No, no, no. My faith is alive. My faith in what God said. I believe God said that. The faith is telling him, oh, listen, Abraham, you are already 90-something years old. Remember, you had Isaac when he was 100. You are already 90-something years When is that going to come to be? In fact, from record, it was almost about 25 years after the promise. When is this thing going to be? Abraham said, but I know God said it. It's like Sarah may be asking, my Lord, yes, I agree, but how old are you now? And since when did that promise come to be? We are already some 20 years when the promise was made. Do you think? You understand what I'm saying? And Abraham said, no. I seek to believe what God said. He was not weak in faith. 
in his conviction of what God said. Praise the living God. I used to say this occasionally. I couldn't be preaching today except I stood by what God said. Because the environment with which I find myself, you know, I was an investor of what I got at the point. I had a stage of lecturing there. That was where God pulled me out. I was not ready to do full-time ministry because I just, I just hate to. How do I put it now? I saw what was happening to a pastor that was, when I was a junk man teaching, a pastor was brought there from Assemblies of God Church. And I knew how this man suffered. No maintenance, no substance, nothing. And every end of the morning, they tell him to come to the headquarters at uh, Ahoda. When you come to the headquarters, your salary is dependent on how much you're bringing in. And sometimes, I know he had maybe 3,000 because he had just few students, not even an adult, who were in his church. So sometimes when he comes back, he's coming back to Ahoda, he'll be coming with about 3,000. And then they will take the tithe of that 3,000 and then they'll give him something out of it. So he may be coming back with maybe 100,000, I mean 1,000 or 1,500. And he's a family man. Now how was it? I have to then, I have not even been a believer, but I have to go to the pastor, I mean the, 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 the principal of the school and I said, can you join me? We take care of this man. I see his suffering. You know, so I'll give him clothes, we donate money, we will buy rice, buy beans, whatever, every mountain for this man, just to survive. I said, man, I can't do this kind of job. I can't do it. You understand that? So, but now, when I came to invest in Potaikot, the Monsignor Secondary School to move into the main office there, the Lord began to pull me into full-time ministry. But I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to live a life that looks I'm depending on people to survive. Because I know what that man went through. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And so, uh, this particular night, 1990, I was there at uh, Artillery. We are staying there. And my friend traveled to Lagos. I was alone in the house. All of a sudden, I saw my heart was expanding, expanding, expanding. I started sweating. I literally could see that my heart was expanding beyond normal. And I saw that this was dead. And I said, God, what is this? So, and I made a statement. Oh God, is this the way I'm going to die? And he gave me a word. Psalm 9 verse 11. Let, let's look at that. 11 verse 9, let me see. I mean, proverb. Proverb 9, 11. Proverb 9, 11, let me see. If that's what I'm looking at now. Proverb 9, 11. Praise the Lord. No, 11, 9. Wait, confuse me. Okay, fine. Here we go. 9, 11. That's, this is what he gave to me. 1990, at artillery there. For by me, thy days shall be multiplied. And the years of thy life shall be increased. That was all. As soon as he gave me that word, 1990, I wrote my letter of resignation right on that spot. Dropped it on the floor, I mean on the table for my friend. And I, I wrote another letter. When you come, take this letter, submit to the school authority. I am gone. That's how I left the job. And so, but finally when I got to the village and then I finally got to worry to walk with a brother who called me to come join them. In fact, when I left River State, I went back home and I plugged into the school system and I was made a, a vice principal of the school where I was working. 
It was from that place. A pastor came and told me, ah, he wants me to come and walk with him. I said, I don't want to do full time. I'm okay with what I'm doing. Because even there, I started a church. He said, no, we need you to come. Alright. I finally resigned from my job and joined him. Six months down the line, they gave me the boot. Because I was teaching what I taught yesterday, my father's house. What was difficult in that? That was the thing that drove me out of the system. They just sent me out. Now I have nowhere to go. I have no job. I mean, it was a horrible time. But this scripture keeps coming to my mind. Anytime. By me shall your days be increased. By me shall your days be multiplied. And I said, no. If God said that, he's going to do something about it. That's faith. I don't forget what I'm saying. Even the most terrible times I've had in terms of accident, whatever. That was when I had, that was 2000 and what was that? We were going for Singapore for a meeting. And they just called me that they want me to come over in Singapore. I said, okay, fine. We booked a ticket. I'll still be there. We got there. Ticket was canceled. My flight was that same. I mean, the other day. So what am I going to do? I decided to take a vehicle to Benin. I got to Benin at Yaro there. I bought the vehicle. It was already late. We left. We're driving. After, accidentally, this guy I was driving was a crazy guy. Sooner than later, we park. Not knowing that I was taking a shot. Anytime he packed, take a shot. That was already 12 in the night. And about 1 a.m., we find ourselves in the bush. Terrible accident. I was trapped. I was sitting by the edge of the vehicle and the thing fell this way. Now the seat came and rest on my leg. Everybody left me right inside the bush. I don't know what to do. I said, God, what is going on? Is this why I'm going to die here? And then I heard a voice touch the seat. I just stretched my hand, touched the seat, and the thing pulled off. It just went all by itself. I came out of the place. That's how I went to Singapore that year. And a lot of things happened. Miracles. I mean, it was amazing. Now, what I'm trying to make you understand is this. Because I have the scripture. I believe that I'm going to die in the accident. I will not die in the accident. He has already said, my years shall be increased. I already said, by your days shall be multiplied. Praise the living God. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. This is the foundation of it. For me. That's why I said, what he tells me is not what he's going to tell you. Mine is because I was resistant to go into the full-time ministry. And he need to speak this to do what? To encourage me. Now, anytime I'm praying, things are not coming the way they are supposed to be. I say, God, remember what you said. <laughs> because my days means my life, my fruitfulness, my multiplication on the face of the earth. That has to do with my days. Your years have been multiplied. Yes, that means I'm not going to die early. Praise the living God. I don't know if you are following me. That is faith. So it's important you come to the place where God speaks certain things to your life. You can stand on it even if, even if a trailer is coming and God tells you, I'm going to give you fullness of time. You know that that trailer will not crush you. That's what faith is. Are you, are you with me? Like I mentioned yesterday, I'm sure. There was a time when I was to leave, when I was driven out. I mentioned that to you, where my friend spoke to me. Go tell my son, a soul shall pierce through his soul. He'll be driven to a desert. Berin shall fall in his, I mean, driven to a wilderness. Berin shall fall in his desert. Anytime I financially down, I said, oh, listen, this is not what you told me. You said rain shall fall on my desert. I need money. That's the rain. 
<laughs> Praise the living God. My prayer is very simple. I take this, I take what he has spoken, I take it back to him. That's all. And I'm going to show you from the life of Daniel. That is simply faith. Praise the living God. Say so back again, Romans 4, 20. That's powerful now. Romans 4, 20. He staggered not, glory to God, at what? At the promises of God. Through what unbelief, but what was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Praise the living God. Did you see that? Abraham staggered not at faith, he stayed on. He was saying, No, 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 God said it, He will bring it to pass. 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I know He will bring it to pass. I know seconds I'll be telling him, No, look, you're deceiving yourself. 20 years down the line, God says something has not happened yet. I don't know if you're getting that. Abraham said, no, I believe the promise of God. He said it, I'm going to stay on. And at 25, when it was 100, the boy came. So, you see, don't lose confidence. Don't lose hope. Some of you in this place, you may not even know why you are here. You may not even understand yet why you are here. And if God, listen, <laughs> I used to say this, I said, God, I don't know why. I thought I would have been better, bigger than it is now in terms of ministry. But he keep on reminding me of the life of David. When David was being pursued by Saul, we are made to understand, he went to the cave in Abdullam. Like we learned yesterday. If you read that story down, you find out. The Bible says, all those were indebted. The beggars, the confused people in the world, they were the people that went to him. His camp were made of those who don't have anything. His kind of ministry was such that all the people that came to him had nothing to show for it. I mean, how do you want to be a leader of such people? But that was what David was doing. And what, guess what? If you look at the book of think First Chronicles, we realize that all the people that came to David, they become mighty men. So there was a grace in his life to transform the life of people. And yesterday was reminding me. I remember the place we are now, an individual contributed, I would say, 80%. The roofing then, 2005 or wherever, the roofing of the build, 2012, right? The roofing alone was 7 million. Single-handedly paid by an individual. And this guy, when he came to the fellowship, he had nothing. We were buying food for the children. Baby food, when the wife delivered twice, I was buying baby food for them. Nothing to show for it. He was indebted. He can't even pay his rent because he was staying close to us. Then was not a member of the church. But finally we became a member. I was now standing between him and the landlord. Sometimes I would pay the rent. Sometimes I would pay promises to the landlord. I mean it was rough with this guy. But one day the Lord spoke to me. Gave me a word for this man. And I, I went and I met him. First of all he told me about the wife. I mean the, the father. And I went and met this wife. 
The wife of this man said, this is what the Lord is telling me about your father-in-law. Where is your husband? He said, it's not around. I said, okay, when he comes back, tell him this. I left. Three days down the line, I had the word again concerning the man himself. I came down and I spoke to the wife again. Where is your husband? He said, it's not around. I said, okay, tell him this is what the Lord said concerning him. And that was it. When this man came back, the wife said, look, we've been going to church. Nobody has ever come to tell us anything. And we don't even know this man. But just that we are neighbors. Because we are using one completed building upstairs. And they were downstairs. In a bungalow. And so, so why not we just worship with this man? That's how they came to join the fellowship. And I started looking at this man. So one day the man came for prayers and I looked at him. I was praying for him. And I found that there was rice, there was beans, there was... Everything was just floating around the head, Just floating. And I said, man, you are very wealthy. I said, pastor, how can you say that? I said, you are very wealthy. I'm seeing wealth on your head, but it's scattered. We're going to get it. And then we just start praying. And I told him, man, you are going to break through. It's not quite long. The Lord told me, tell him to start his business. And I went to, because they were captain in the river. Sailing South Africa, whatever. But he stopped sailing there. I went to him and said, the Lord said, you start your business. He said, how can I start? I don't have anything. As anything you can do to start, go and start. That's what the Lord said. This man went, the wife brought some wrappers, and he took money, he sold that one, and then he took money, and then he registered a company, Timur Freak. That was the beginning, the breakthrough this guy had. He had about four sheep, I think about four sheep, in the high sea. I mean, money was coming. This guy became, Nimasa had to pick him up to make him their president in Benin Delta area. I mean, it was something else. As was rising, the wife now and the relationship began to say, oh, you are spending too much on the church. You are spending too much. And this guy, it's not as if he doesn't pay tight. He will cry every day. Oh, pastor, I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't even pay my tight. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I will do what I can do. You know, as the case may be. At the point he said, I want to establish a business for you. Let it be my tight for you. I said, whatever you want to do, fine. The first car, I mean, second car I drove, he bought it single-handedly. Now, I'm talking about somebody from nowhere and becoming somebody. Because of faith. You understand that? And what's the next thing? The religion came and they said, no, you stay too long in this church. You are doing so much in this church. You have to come out of the church. They pressurize this guy and they pull him out of church. Six months down the line, he died. Six months down the line, the man died. Now all of his companies sweat. Everything is gone now. The first son is already a madman. I mean that's it. What I'm trying to say is you can't tell why God will allow you to stay in certain places. If you have conviction of what he's asking you to do, your protection is guaranteed in such a place. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying here. That is faith. You know Dr. Brown? Far back some few years ago, when Dr. Brown came he was the only and the first guy who said I had a car. He was working with an NPC. He had some issues. And then he came to me through a friend who invited him. Go and see that pastor. And he came to me. And then he was talking. And I said, okay, what do you want? He said, I want to worship you. I said, no, I don't want you here. He said, why? I said, you have a car. You work in an NPC. Look at this place. We are just using, you know, a, a parlor as a church. You come here, you are going to boss me. You are going to be... Telling me and controlling me what to do. I don't need you in this place. I'll pray for you. Your problem will be solved, but go away. He said, no, I want to stay here. I said, okay, you kneel down. If you really want to stay here. He knelt down and I prayed for him. And then he joined the church. 
Then somewhere down the line, he came to me and he said, I saw you. He said, you see, I don't dream often. And um, anytime God gives me a dream, it's very direct. I can't leave this church. I said, what is the meaning of what you're saying? He said, I was in this dream and I saw you very old. Your beards were down this way, white. You were sitting on the altar, but because you are very weak, somebody else was teaching. But you were just there observing. And I was in the church, so I knew that you are going to be an old man and this church is going to stay on, so I'm not living here. That's faith. I don't know if you're getting what I'm saying. And the Lord has sustained this man and he has taken him down to Pengasin President, took him to an MPC Towers, become a manager in one of the sections before he retired. I mean, he's just fine and cool by himself. He comes to the fellowship, does whatever he needs to do. Anytime he's in town, that is where he worships. He said, God takes you to certain places for a purpose and for a reason. And he will determine that this is where you are going to stay and this is where I'm going to nourish you to life. That is faith. If you can hear God, if you can come to the place where God gives you words, oh, you lost it. You have not yet come to really becoming that what I'll call a believer. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? But a reason of all, the promise that God made to him. You see, Maxwell, some of you may not have known. But you see, Maxwell, we were to start when he, when he finished school. At a stage, because of the poverty situation that I was in, he lost interest in what they called ministry. He was not interested at all. You understand that? And I was becoming disturbing my spirit. And I was just talking to God. I said, God, this is the issue. You brought me out of my job. Where I could earn money. Now here is my son. He can't even believe in this thing anymore. Because there is no money in it. We were suffering. Rent was not paid. Food was not there. And so the Lord began to give me an assurance about his life. So one day he came to me. And he said, he read the magazine. And what is the magazine like? That he had a pastor's son. Who went to school, read uh, engineering, mechanical engineering, agricultural engineering, came back. He told the pastor he can never be in the fellowship. He was running his own business. One day God told him, Go back and join your father. And so when he read the magazine, his mind began to come down, begin to come down gradually. And then when he was in school too, he thought he had his mind to go to uh, winners. As a matter of fact, he was already worshiping winners, even attending uh, their school, winners, Bible school, or whatever. There was a pastor there that he was fellowshipping with. He was already assisting the man. So, somewhere along the line, it's like when he finished school, he would like to join winners. And then he had a dream. In the dream, he had two belts. And somebody came and gave him one belt and said, That belt belongs to your father. And they used it on his waist. And he woke up, it was a dream. And you know that belt speaks of truth. So he came from school and knelt down and said, Pray for me. I said, What is that? He said, This is my dream. And, um, the Lord that made me to see that I have to work with you. That's why I have to ordain him when he was 20 something years. Because of the revelation he had. And then the next thing when he finished school he came. We were working together and then. Things were rough. He was managing himself. He already married. He already had a child. And I said okay what we are going to do. Let's establish a school for you. So that you can run a private school. Very close to the church. And then we concluded all of that. We got a piece of land to erect the place. 
Now, I used to, anytime I finished teaching, he would send my message to Tayo. Tayo, right. He would send my message to Tayo because they served together as youth couples. The Tayo would listen to the messages. And one day he called him and said, anytime your dad is preaching, put your phone on speaker. I will be listening to the message over here in Bonny Island. And so Maxwell was trying to do that. Then, not up to three weeks or thereabout, he told Maxwell, why don't you bring the church to Bonny Island? I want to worship in your church. But guess what? Tyre was in um, assembly, I mean, what you Redeem Church, right? He was in Redeem. And then he was also, I think, the music director or whatever in the church. You know, the father is redeemed, professor, the mother is professor in redeemed, university, Sinobrite, pastor in redeemed. They are all redeemed people. But he said, I'm seeing something different that your father is teaching. I would like to be in this church. Tell your dad to bring the church to Bonnie Island. And so Maxwell came to me and he told me. And I said, okay, um, I'll think about that. But I've heard you. So we left. Two days down the line, I had a vision. In this vision, he was teaching, just trying to write on the blackboard, and he had the Bible in one hand, chalk writing on the blackboard. And the one elderly man walked to me, was fully bearded, white, everything white on him, white stockings, white canvas, whatever. He just walked down to me and said, you see that boy? He said, yes. He's supposed to live by the Bible and not with the chalk. So let him go. I woke up and I called Max and I said, get your load ready. I moved to Bonnie right now. That's how I went to Bonnie Island. And that's the work there today. Are you there with me? You see, when you live your life by the promises of God, you never fail. When you base your life based on what God has spoken, you will never come down. God is too faithful to his word to make you fail. That is the foundation of faith. Even if everywhere is shaken, but we are convinced God said this to me. That's where you're going to have your success in life. He will protect you because you want to protect his word. He will defend you because you want to defend his word. Because if anything he says to you didn't come to pass, then God is not a faithful God. Praise the living God. So Abraham staggered not at all. The promise of God. What was that promise? When you are old, I mean no matter your age, you are going to bring forth a son. There is a son in your life. That you are going to bring forth. Ishmael, no. Eliezer, no. They are not going to be your heir. You are going to have an heir at an old age, if you will. No matter your circumstance, believe this. And so the Bible said, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. Through what? Unbelief. What's your unbelief? Unbelief in what God said. Hallelujah. So if you come to that place in your life where God can share a word with you, I tell you something, you already have a solid foundation. You can stand there. You can believe what God is saying. And I'm telling you, that thing that God told you about is going to bring it to pass. Praise the living God. I was in Kenya in 2000 and... I can't remember again. 2010 or thereabout. And then as a young man, I was ministering to people. And I saw this man and I said... And the Lord told me, he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Then I told him, sir, <laughs> it's like you're in the wrong place in your business. What do you do? He said, I sell bill materials. That is second hand clothes. Then I said, what did you study? He said, I study electrical engineering. I said, go back to your profession. This is not where I'm supposed to be. So I left. Two years time, I went back to Kenya for a meeting. The man just came to me. 
after the first section. And he said, I'm taking you to your hotel. And I saw him in a brand new car. Then I said, what is it? Then he called the wife, all of them. said, enter the car, enter the car. This is the man I was telling you about. I said, what happened? He said, you told me I should change my business. And I did. And because I changed my business, I started selling um, electrical parts. That's how I got this car. When I went back and two years ago, he already got four cars. And he told me, I want to make them seven. Then I want to do an Uber with them. Three drivers are already driving for me, and I'm driving this one. The other two, I'm going to add to it. And I set up a company like an Uber right here in Kenya. Because he had one word from God. Praise the living God. That one word changed everything about his fortune. It took him from being, you know, a beggar, if I may use the word. Managing life, selling, you know, second-hand clothes to becoming somebody to manage an Uber company. One word from God can change the whole of your life. That is what is called faith. Are you still following me? And somebody will say, but pastor, I don't hear nothing from God. Anyway, from today, you are going to be hearing from God. You are going to be hearing from God. But let me show you the simplest way by which you can hear from God. You see the Bible? The Bible you read. In the true sense, it's logos. Meaning, it's a general revelation for all people. You understand that? It's a general revelation for all people. But, like I gave to you in Proverbs 9.11, even though it's a general word, it became my word. Now it is Rema. You understand what I'm saying? From the Logos, it becomes what? Rema. When it is given to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I want you to come to that place. So, it's, you can hear different dimensions by which God speaks to you. Different dimension by which He speaks to you. My initial time when I was in Jankrama teaching, it's when I sleep, He gives me revelation. He gives me words. He gives me this. Give me that. Then one time, the whole thing sees. Because I find that if I want to hear God, I just want to go lie down. Because He talks to me that way. I just want to go to bed. You know. So, but it comes to the point, I got to bed, nothing was happening. I said, God, what happened? So, it's like I was trying to say, did I sin? What have I done? Why has God, you know, forsaken me? Whatever. All of those thoughts, and based on what people normally teach, I got confused that God was no longer with me. And one day I was walking the street, I heard a voice, he gave me a scripture. I said, God, you're still talking to me. He said, I was winning you away from sleeping before you hear me. Because my mind had been conditioned to I have to sleep for God to speak. I don't know if you're getting that. But God said, no, I want you to stop that and bring it to another level of you walking and I can talk to you even where you are asleep, where you're not asleep. Say, so with me from sleeping to hear him to being alive. So, I can sometimes be sitting down and he gives me scriptures. I remember when Maxwell was to get married. He sent the message to me while he was still there that I find a lady and this and this and this and that. That's okay, so give me two days. I want to think about it. He said, okay. Now the second day I was just sitting in my office and the Lord just spoke to me. In the book of Proverbs. But in Proverbs 15, verse now, thereabout. And he said, Wealth and riches come from parents. 
But a prudent wife come from the Lord. Instantly, I took my phone, sent the money to me, get, get married to Mary. That's it. I knew Mary was going to be a prudent wife because God told me she's a prudent wife. That's all. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. It's, you walk by the way God speaks to you. Now that's why I said, I wasn't sleeping when God showed me that. I was sitting in my office, he gave me the voice. So you grow from one level to the other. And that's why the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you can't be in church and you don't hear God for direction. You can't be in church, you can't get any promise from God. No, you can have faith. That's why men are tossed to and fro. Praise God, somebody. You see the place we are over there? Some of you may have to be there sometime. You worry there. Where will be the land? Guess what? We were using an apartment just like this. And we were looking for land to buy. And then, even then we had no money. But we just said, we look for land to buy. And then, somebody told me, there's a land at Usubi that the person can give to us and we pay instrumentally. I said, no. When I was coming to worry here, God said, I'm sending you to worry and the land your fish has stepped upon, I'll give to you for the possession. I said, worry is not the same thing as Usubi. It's an asket, so I can't go. And the boy said, Mom, come on. Then I asked the question. Then the mother is with, what, with us. He was small. And then I asked the question. They told me about, I mean, we can just do that. Worry is still within the environment of Usubi Island, whatever the case may be. I said, no. Then I asked the question, what about these people? How are they going to be able to come to? Because they followed me just about five of them or the other about. How will they be able to come over there? And the person said, we can win other souls there. I said, no. If the will say, if you're not faithful in little, you can't be faithful in much. These ones that have been with me, I can't leave them for any reason. And that was it. The next one, the about, somebody came to write, there's a land available, which is that land there. We went to the land, we discussed it. He told me 1.2. And we don't have anything in our account in the first place. I have to source for money. I paid about 700,000. Remaining about 500. And the man brought the land because he has an issue. This way God leads you to get what you want. The man had an issue. He's a retired army officer. The son was overseas. They need to pay school fees. He had no money. He wants to sell the land to send the school fees. And you get what I'm saying now. So opportunity came. In other words, we were now opportune to get the land because the man had to be under pressure to be able to sell the land. So we paid five hundred, I mean seven hundred, and then now we are left about five hundred. Where was the money going to come from? It became an issue. The next thing that happened is Redeem Church went to the man and said, "We'll give you one point three. Return is one point. He has only paid you seven hundred, isn't it? Yes. Okay. You get the seven hundred back. We are giving you one point three. So we are making a profit of another three hundred on top of it." And so the agent came to me and he said, Pastor, you better be in a hurry. Redeem wants to take the land from you. Oh, God. I said, no, this is not going to happen. I started making phone calls. And somebody, that same Brown, was the person that raised the money. That man that came that I said, I don't want you, is the one that came and said, what are you talking about? I said, they want to take the land and buy it from us. I said, how much is it? I said, what is left is 500000 He wrote a check. We went and cashed the check. I paid the balance of that money at the motor park. And my two. I just went there. I said, bring the document to the park and bring you your money. Right there, my two brought the money. I paid, man, I was relaxed. I just went to one hotel and slept it the next day. Praise the living God. What am I trying to say? God said, you are going to be in worry. He didn't say, Usubi, 
I'm trying to make you understand you need to know what God has to say about your life. Then the next expanse of the land, when I come to the office every morning, I'll look at the land and I said, how can I build a church here? Somebody will come and build something here. No, I need this land. And when I come to the office in the morning, I'll look at them and say, I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you. I'll just be talking to the land. I'm going to have you. I'm going to have you. And then one night, the Lord woke me up at about 4 a.m. I said, do you really mean to have the land? I said, yes, Lord, I need it. He said, go and talk to the chief of the community. I went to the chief. And I said, I need that land. He said, do you want the land? I said, okay, go and survey it. And bring the survey plan. I conducted the survey. The survey cannot move because it's matchy. He can't move inside. So he just surveyed a little spot and brought it. <laughs> and they'll give it to the community. And then they said, okay, this is how much you're going to pay. I've forgotten how much I paid on the land. But as soon as we finished that, that spices came. When the spices came to the place, they came to me and said, we would like to put the mud on this swamp if you agree to it. And then the operator of the swamp boogie came to me and said, Oga, this thing we are going to dig from this place is like solid clay. Put it in your land. You are going to enjoy it in the future. It's not now. When it's settled, you will see it. Then I tried to pretend to act like I don't want it. Then I told them, so, what are you going to give to me? Because you are dumping your district. Say, no, anything you want. That's okay. You allow the swamp boogie to enter and build as the whole of those forests will bring it down before you fill it. Say, okay, we agree. So they entered and used the swamp boogie, pulled all the trees, the palm trees, everything down, and then they start filling. And the whole place came up. A complete land. I'm saying, we're just walking by the simple instruction that God gives. Praise the living God. And that is faith. That is just faith. Abraham's tiger not at faith. I want you to believe this. And when God told me this, I'm sick. Listen, these two things here are so important to me. Years of their life shall be increased. Multiply what? Their days. I can't joke with these things. I believe my days are going to be fruitful. And I believe I'm going to live to an old age. I don't believe there's any power in this universe that can kill me. I don't believe it. Why? Just this. Because if anything is coming, I go back to God. And say, this is not what you told me. <laughs> I don't pray long prayers. I just remind him. And I need you to come to that place in your life. Praise God, somebody. Yeah. Abraham staggered not at faith. Believed the promise of God. Was not weak in faith. He trusted in what God was saying. Unbelief can't come in when God gives you a word. Because you know he's able to do what he asks you to do. Praise the living God. Let me show you now a little bit of the Logos becoming a Rema. That's why you should read your Bible. Those people who don't read your Bible, I pity you because you can't get a word. Somebody say, I'm not hearing, but you're going to hear from this hour. Daniel chapter 9, verse number 2. Praise God. Daniel 9, verse number 2. Are you there with me? Just take it to the book of Daniel. Chapter 9, verse number 2. I want to show you something which, you, which, which will shock you. Amen. In the first year, look at this. Are you with me? In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by what? By the books. The number of the years wherefore the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he will accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. I learned by the books. What was the books? The books of the prophet. 
Jeremiah, all of those people. Daniel was a captive man. He was in Babylon. He was reading the scriptures and he found this place and he said, No, now it's already 70 years. It means we must leave Babylon. And he went to God all by himself. He never called the whole nation. He never called everybody in Babylon. He went to God all by himself. That means when you are praying faith, your word counts, not the number of people. Praise God, somebody. He simply went to God and said, You said 70 years. I find it written in the book. This is your word. Let us get out of Babylon. That is how Israel left captivity. Just because one man discovered truth from the word of God. I don't know if you're getting this. So you'll be reading the Bible sometimes. Something can just tear up in your spirit. Maybe a verse or a passage. And you know that is God talking. You can get hooked to it. That becomes faith. So if Daniel had this faith because he saw that. And he aligned it with the current circumstances. And he knew it was time. He went to God all by himself. He didn't call the whole nation. He didn't call anybody. He just went to God and said, God, forgive our sins. Forgive our people. Forgive my fathers. He took this sin upon himself. He took everything upon himself as an intercessor. And he said, it is time to get out of Babylon. And that was all. Because God must stand by his word. He's not going to extend the years. He says, 70. And Daniel saw it at 70. And it is now time to go so when you read your Bible, there are some things God will personally quicken to your heart. That is God talking to you. If you stay on that, if you pray through on that, you're going to see results at the end of the day. I'm just talking to you about the simple foundation of faith. Hallelujah. Maybe I would rather say the kind of faith that I operate, which is a little bit different from the faith that other people operate. It's, I believe, like I said in Daniel, I read the Bible, yes. But, everything about my life have been based on what God speaks to me. Let me give you another one. The book of Romans, I mean Revelation chapter 10. Look at verse 10 and 11. Revelation 10, 10 and 11. This one's given to me in 1990. In fact, it came twice before I went into ministry. Hallelujah. There is a word. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up and it was in my mouth sweet as honey and as soon as I had eaten it my belly was bitter you know what this writer said this little book had to do with revelation of God and about Christ is that okay? that was speaking of little book now it's going to be so interesting when you read it when you start seeing truth seeing revelation seeing the mind of God it's going to be exciting but what of the bitterness? The bitterness to the persecution you are going to face for getting revelation. Did you get that? And I've gone through all of this. But let me show you the other part that is so vitally important. Look at the next verse. Verse 11. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. 1980. Give me this word. Now the first time I moved out of this country was 2005. How many years was that? Did you get that? And how did I move out of the country? Because one day I was reading a book by Timeli. And then he was mentioning some people who are present the apostles of Jesus Christ. And the Lord already told me, 1992 as well, 
I was praying and I said, God, I know there are a lot of pastors all over the place. And whoever has handed the Bible is called a pastor. But I know there are five or ministries in the Bible. Where do I belong? I knelt down praying and a hand came from the wall and wrote down 2 Timothy 1.11. I picked the book and I read it and I said, I, Paul, call as a preacher, a teacher, an apostle to the Gentiles. So I knew exactly what God was calling me to do. But then I've not gone into full-time ministry. And so when this happened, and I said, as an apostle, I should be around the nations. And I was reading and mentioning a lot of names. Timeli was writing, Monian, all these people. I just closed the book and I knelt down and I said, God, listen to me. You told me in 1992 that I'm an apostle. If I'm truly called as an apostle, may my name be mentioned among these people. And then I closed the book and I left. 2005, Apostle Munia came to Nigeria to conduct a meeting in Akwaibom. And then one of my friends, part of those organizing the meeting, added my name that I should go and teach on the kingdom of God. And then, I spoke to a friend about it. And the person said, don't go. There's no need. I said, is that so? He says, okay, fine. No problem. I went to bed at the night. And I see myself preaching to an Akwaibon person. I woke up and I told my wife and I said, I think I have to make this journey. He said, you sure? I said, yes. Why should I be preaching to Akwaibon person from Calabar? That means God want me to be there. I went there to the meeting. I think I drove down. I got into the meeting. Munia, who was supposed to be actually the main speaker, was delayed at the airport with 30 minutes by the flight. And so they call from the airport and say, start the meeting until he comes. So I started teaching. 30 minutes down the line, he was on own. He sat down, listened to me. By the time he finished, by the time I was done, he called me aside. He said, do you know Calivana? I said, no. He began to count some people in the U.S. all over. I said, I don't know them. He said, who taught you this? Thing? I said, I read the Bible and God helps me. He said, today you are my friend. He just, he said, take down this number. He gave me his number. He said, anywhere in the world, call my name. And this number can open doors for you. I said, thank you. We finished that. That we got to a place now where we have pastors that question and answer, as it were. He taught pastors leadership. And then somebody asked him a question. You said heaven is not a geographical location. So what about John 14? Now he has no answer to John 14. He was struggling. And then I said, can I come in? He said, yes, David, come in. So I came in and I gave the answer to the people. Everybody was satisfied. Instantly, the unction came on him. And he said, can I pray for you? I said, you are free. And then in the midst of the people, I said, from today, your voice shall be heard in the world. That was. That same year, he asked me to come to South Africa. And he said, you're coming to preach in my conference. In the month of September. I'm paying your bills. I'm giving you a hotel. I'm giving you honorarium. Just come and preach to the people. And again, I'm told that you are writing a book of... No rapture, as it were. I said, yes. Yeah. say, how much does it cost? I said, I have no idea. He said, go look for it. I tried to find out. I know that five, five, that's about 500 US dollars can take care of the book. And I said, 500 US dollars. Now I have no account then. Both dumb and even local, I don't have anything. And he said, okay. Know what you're going to do? I said, no. I'm going to send you this money through a book. He took his book, put the money inside, seal it up, and then email it. So go to the post office, pick the book, open it. You're going to see the money inside. And that's exactly what I did. I went there, opened it. I took the money, published the book. He said, bring everything you can 
to South Africa. I'm going to sell them for you in my conference. Man, it was heavy. By the time I was done with that meeting, everybody was rushing for, I mean, let me sign the book for them. And they bought the book. I came back to, to Nigeria that year with about 600,000. One trip. It fulfilled the scripture that God gave to me 1992. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? But I was five, 2005. I'm trying to say, compare 2005 and 1992. How many years was that? But that is faith. Anytime things are difficult, I go back to the scriptures. I go, this word you said. So I'm not surprised I'm traveling the nation. I am not surprised because God gave that to me 1992. You can anchor your life on faith based on what God has given to you. Are you listening to me? I can tell you every segment of my journey in life is based on what God has spoken. I may not have gotten the place where I'm supposed to be. No. But I know I'm going to get there. Hallelujah. I haven't got all the money that I need, but I know I'm going to get there. Because he has promised it. By me shall your days be increased. By me shall your years be what? Be multiplied. I haven't seen that yet. I know it's going to come. At least I've preserved my life. I've had three horrible accidents where you write up all the vehicles were write up, but I survived it. Based on that scripture, I know God will not allow me to go by accident. Not at all. Praise the living God. So if God has been preserving my life based on that word, the part, first part of it, of my days, he is all going to bring to pass. Therefore, I can't be staggering. I can't live in unbelief. I know many will come like never before. Praise the living God, somebody. This is the faith that I believe in. I don't know of any other thing anybody wants to preach. I have no idea about it. But I have tried to stay by what God asked me to do. Praise the living God. That's why some people say, your message is too hard. Your message, I said, but I can't teach anything else. This is what God asked me to teach. It may not be producing. It may not be bringing out the money. But I need to be faithful to the one who called me. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. I need to be faithful to the man that called me. I need to obey him. I need to stay with what he has for me in his life. I'm not going to compare myself with anybody. No. Praise the living God somebody. Is it what some of you don't understand? It's your destiny. It's not tied to what you see around you. Or what other people are getting. God doesn't reward you because of what you compare yourself with other people. If you think otherwise. Look at it this way. John the Baptist was a child of a priest. Am I right? But now this same man who was supposed to be a priest after his father was in the desert. Eating locusts, white honey, with tagrak, whatever, all about him. But that was supposed to be a priest who was supposed to be eating the good parts of the animal in the temple. From the temple, he finds himself where? In the wilderness. Why? Because according to Luke, he came in the spirit of Elijah. The spirit and the power of what? Elijah. Now, Elijah was not a city prophet like Jeremiah. Elijah was a wilderness prophet. God will give him a word. He will come out. He will talk. He go back to the wilderness. God give him a word. He comes out. He speak one. He go back to the wilderness. He was a wilderness prophet. So you don't expect Elijah, I mean John the Baptist, to be in the city. Because he came in the spirit and the powerful of Elijah. That's why he was in the wilderness. Are you getting what I'm talking about? 
Now, as it were, it's like he had no disciples, it's like he had nobody, it's like nothing. The Bible says, until he's showing forth unto what? Unto Israel. Now, when the time came and he came to Israel, I used to say something. There are only three revivals in the Bible. You want to talk about revival? Only three. First one was that of Elijah and Mount Camel, when the whole of Israel came down and bowed down and said, God is God. That was the first revival. Second revival, the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. When Nehemiah read the book to the people, the whole of Israel started weeping, started crying, and began to see themselves where they have been far away from God. Second revival. Third revival was John the Baptist. When he preached on, I mean, on the day of baptism in River Jordan, we are told the whole of Israel, even soldiers came and said, what must we do to be saved? There are three revivals in the Bible. But guess what? That man that had nothing, Saved a whole nation, if I may use the word. A whole nation came to him because he stood on what God has called him to do. Praise the living God. Your standing in faith in what God has called you to do is more than anything else. You are pleasing him who has called you. If you can stay by what God says to your life, you can only please God by faith. Remember, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Are you still there with me? Look at the life of Philip, the evangelist. First of all, he was a deacon. Simple obedience. How powerful that could be. Some of you are called to do stuff here. You may be wondering, how can I do this? How can I do that? How can I sweep? How can I do that? But look at it. Philip, the evangelist, was called to be a deacon. What does it mean to be a deacon? To serve tables. Serving people food. Right? Catering department. From there, God took him to Samaria. Right? He started preaching in Samaria, teaching the message of the kingdom. What's the next thing? The whole of Samaria were taken over by the message of Philip. And while that was going on, God took him to the desert. Go and join yourself. To who? To the eunuch. Coming from the meeting from Ethiopia. Philip left a whole revival. If you were the one, will you do that? A whole nation. A whole nation were being taken over by you. I mean, and they said, go join yourself to the eunuch. One man. How can you leave a whole city revival to join yourself to one man? But that's the work of faith. What's the next thing that happened? The mystery of that one man is this. He was a eunuch to the queen of Ethiopia. And because he was a eunuch, that means he can influence the king. Are you still there with me? Very good. So, now Philip went, influenced the, 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 the eunuch. The eunuch went home, influenced, and that is why that was the only country in Africa that was not colonized. Why? Because the gospel was there. Praise the living God. So, look at it now. He left seven tables. He took a city. From a city, he took a nation. One obedience led to multiplication. Praise the living God, somebody. Are you sitting there with me? Take this last scripture. Because I've been told my time is over. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Let us read this and then we'll go into prayers. Hallelujah. Woo. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This child I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that died by them might warfare. What? A good warfare. What's a good warfare? With the prophecies, the word, the revelation that has come unto you. As you stay on it, you are warring a good warfare. That thing that will not turn you away from what God has told you about your life, that's your warfare. 
When we talk about good warfare, it's to stand by what God says. Praise the living God. Take it from the message. Let's see what it says. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? Look at it. I'm passing this work unto you, my son Timothy. The prophetic work that was directed to you prepared us for this. All those prayers are coming together now. So you will do this well. Fearless in your struggle. Praise God somebody. Fearless in your struggle about life. Why? Because you receive a word that's come from the Lord. If you receive a word from God, you got to stay with that word. No matter the situation, the struggles may be there. The, the, the things that will make you doubt the word of God may be there. But you can stay with it. At the end of it, that word is going to speak. He said, write down the vision, make it plain. He said, even though it tarry, it shall speak. Praise God, somebody. Write it down. Believe it. Trust in it. My Bible is like a dictionary to me. It's like, in fact, all my Bibles right from the one. Any word God gives to me, I write at the edge. You did. That's why I don't play with my Bibles. Some of you don't have Bibles. <laughs> Some of you, you know, the electronic Bibles, fine, is good, as good it is, but that is not what I do. I only use this to preach. My own notes are actually from my hard book, my Bible. Because God gives me a scripture, I put it at the edge. The date is there. So my Bible is like my dictionary. I mean, it's like my diary. I can go through and say, this is what God told me this year. And that is how I do my warfare. I can go to God and say, Lord, 1990, this is what you told me. I haven't seen this happen yet. What is going on? I'm talking to my father now. And that's prayer. You understand that? I can say 1992, open my Bible, 1992, this is what you told me. So what is happening? I haven't seen it yet. You understand that? That's faith at work. And I can decide to say, okay, I want to pray on this because God said this and I haven't seen it. So God wants the matter. That season becomes my prayer. You pray in pain. That's the warfare you're worrying. The prophecy that comes upon you. You stay with it and say, God tell me this. God said this to me. I know it's not going to change. As you stay on, God will show himself faithful. Praise the living God. Are we here together, somebody? Praise God, praise God. I need you to understand that walking by faith is having expectation based on what God has spoken to you. My faith today is standing strong. My expectation is standing strong. I've yet to see the things that God said he's going to do. And I know they are going to come. Praise God somebody. I know they are definitely going to come. I know I'm entering another season in my life. Even in ministry. My ministry is not very well known if I may use the word as far as Nigeria is concerned. But outside of the nation. And that's exactly what is based on Revelation chapter 10. I have more followers outside of this country than it is today. Praise the living God. You know, two days ago, somebody just sent a message to me. No, last two weeks, sent a message to me say, Apostle David, I'm so blessed with your teachings. And I feel like sowing something to your life. I said, what is that? He sent me an iPad. I'm not even using it. Because remember, iPad, you have to go to Wi-Fi and all that. I'm going to trouble myself. He said, you need this. Anywhere you go, record your messages. I need you to have the iPad. Send it online. A few days ago, he called me and said, your screens on live streaming is not very clear. You need a camera. And I want to show some seed towards that. He said, next week, I'm sending 500,000 U- I mean, 500 US dollars. Add money to it and buy a good camera. We're going to look at camera. Camera want to buy is 400,000. And it's going to come through in the next few weeks. I am saying, if you stay by what God is saying, there's not going to be struggle in your life. Even if you are struggling, 
You don't need to go back to what he said and say, God, this is what you said. You promised me this. I haven't seen it. When is it coming true? Whatever it is, stand in faith. Abraham staggered out at the promise of God, but not weak in faith, believing God, hoping against hope. And no matter what his circumstance is, his life is not going to fail. He will have a child of his own. And Abraham finally had a child of his own. Praise God, somebody. Stand up and let's begin to talk to the Father. Let's talk to the Father briefly. Let's talk to the Father. Begin to pray for a moment. Begin to pray for a moment. Begin to pray for a moment. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.